with my brand new pair of glasses. I think I embarrassed you with those red things last week. So I ditched the dollar and a half ones and bought $20 ones. That look better? Got a case that went with it. And uh, I, I apologize the fact that I'm going to have to go like this to look at you and then like this to look at the... And it's always bothered me when I watch the Senate conduct their business and Chuck Schumer is, you know, doing that. I'm thinking, scoot your glasses up, you know. But anyway, now I understand what he, what he's doing. Okay, who was the strongest man in the Bible? Who? That's a good guess. You give up? I got you this week. Uh, it was, it, huh? Okay, it was Jonah. Because even a whale couldn't keep him down. You want me to put my other glasses on? Oh, shame on me. Turn to Second Thessalonians, if you will. Keep this sheet out. There's a few blanks you can fill in. But uh, the war in Israel today, what's going on over there, I think, and I never sensed it like I sense it now. In fact, you can put your search engine on your cell phone and you can see, you can see, uh, you can also see false prophets, but you can see uh, a lot of people are thinking about it. And a lot of preachers are posting on it. And uh, I, I think it's important to realize, first of all, that God is in control. Secondly, we should know about where we're at. And uh, when I was 17 years old, war broke out in the Middle East between Israel and several Arab nations. There was enough Arabs to push Israel into the sea in 1967. But they didn't do it. Why? Because who's in control? Uh, in 1973, I was 23 years old. And then on the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, there was another war. And the same thing. There was enough enemies uh, in the world and uh, surrounding Israel that they could have pushed them into the Mediterranean and that would have been it. But they couldn't because... God is in control. God has a plan for Israel, has a plan for the church too. But soon we're going to enter an age where everything will center around Israel. And uh, when the Lord calls home his church, which is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, saved Jews, saved Gentiles, he'll call us home in the rapture. But... Uh, and I, and I believe this with all my heart. We'll get to the chart in a minute. But I think what's happening today, more than at any other time, is paving the way for a world that's desperately looking and searching for someone to solve that problem in the Middle East. And they'll find somebody. And his name will be Antichrist. Got a lot of names. Man of Sin son of perdition, the beast, 
out of Revelation. Uh, but somebody, nobody right now, it seems, can, you know, and there'll be conflict after conflict, and, and uh, uh, the enemies of Israel are many. And that's predicted in the Bible as well. But always remember, the Abrahamic covenant says what? It says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And the minute our nation turns us back and there's still support for Israel today, I'm glad it's not as strong as it used to be. And uh, anyhow, Jesus spoke about it in what's called the Olivet Discourse. We'll look at that in a few minutes. Uh, and that's found in Matthew 24. Jesus had basically four, four main sermons that were big. Uh, everyone knows the first one, the Sermon on the Mount. But the Olivet Discourse is so strategic because Jesus sat down just with his disciples who asked him in Matthew 24, you know, when, when are these things, uh, what's going to happen? And I believe the first part of that is describing conditions that we're going through today. And then you get to verse 21 of chapter 24 of the Olivet Discourse. Uh, Jesus said, Then shall be great tribulations such as the world has never known, nor will it afterwards. And we'll look at just a little of that. But uh, anyhow, so what's happening today, 50 years after the Yom Kippur War, uh, I think is really paving the way, and there's going to be a desperate search in time to come and somebody will step forward with the answers and Israel will love it. And I think they will just believe him wholeheartedly. And then in the middle of the tribulation period, which is right here in the middle of that thing, there'll be a broken, you can put that down, broken covenant. In fact, let's fill that in here. Okay. Let me give you stuff that isn't up there. The book, when it says Revelation up there, that's the second coming of Christ. He is revealed. So it's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Anyway, on that line, just on the other side of that line, I'm going to give you a few verses that describe that uh, a little bit. Um Write down Revelation 1, 5 through 8 over there. And on the other side of the rapture, write down 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17. Okay, again, Revelation, you want to read about it. Revelation 1, 5 through 8 on that side. The rapture, which is the next prophetic event. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17. Underneath tribulation... If you can squeeze it right in here, write down Matthew 24, 21. We're not going to look at all these, but you can. The thousand-year reign after Christ comes back and destroys all the enemies. You can put down here Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 6. And then when the books are finally balanced, and the books are open. 
and everything is settled at the great white throne judgment, you can write down Revelation 20, 11 through 15. By the way, this broken covenant, you should have that on there, Daniel 9, 27, where the Antichrist just turn, turns on Israel. And Revelation 12 talks about how Satan just tries to swallow up the whole nation. And of course, the Lord rescues when he comes back at the Battle of Armageddon. And you know all those things, I'm sure. Okay. So I want you to go. Uh, first, let's, let, let's go to Matthew 24. And then keep your finger. 2 Thessalonians is our, is our text. But let's look what Jesus said about it in the Olivet Discourse. Matthew 24. <clears throat> Verse 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The first time I heard somebody claim that they were Christ was Jim Jones down in in uh, South America. And then he basically murdered all those people when, of that cult. And, uh, and there's been many since then. But anyway, uh, I wish you quit interrupting me, okay? So I can just, you know, keep on here. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And I think a lot of this through verse 12 uh, is, is indicative of what's happening today. Now, there's a lot of difference opinion on all of that stuff, but uh, anyway, the end is not yet, Jesus said, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines, which there are today, and pestilences. We've seen that, haven't we? Good old COVID. And earthquakes. There are more earthquakes now than ever in various places. Are All these are the, here it is, beginning of sorrows. You see that in verse 8? Beginning of sorrows. And uh, you can go down to verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. And then he gets into Daniel's 70th week, which is the tribulation and the abomination of desolation. We don't have time to go through all that, but jump to verse 21. Verse 21. For then, Jesus said, shall be great tribulation, such as what uh, was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. You can read about it with the four horsemen of the apocalypse where so many millions and millions of people are uh, perish. Uh, in Revelation 6, you can read about it when the, the seals and, the, and the, you know, the bowls and all that are opened up, trumpets in Revelation and always remember that Revelation chapter 6 through 18 deal with this little seven-year time period right there. So Revelation for the most of it. Uh, and the church is only mentioned in Revelation through the first three chapters 
And then there's nothing until the second coming of Christ in chapter 19 about the church. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because we're raptured out. And when we're raptured out, the believers will go through what's called the judgment seat of Christ, not to see if we're saved or not, because that's been determined already. Uh, but to try our works, there'll be no unbelievers at the judgment seat of Christ. Just as there'll be no believers here at the great white throne, that is for the unsaved, and the books will be open. So you kind of get the idea. So let's finish this, verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no, nor ever shall be, catch it. And except those days should be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake they shall be shortened. Many people will come to know the Lord during the tribulation. But if it went longer than that seven-year time, time period, the whole world would perish. That's how bad the judgments are. It's a time of wrath. Anyway, uh, let's go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is important because a lot of people don't understand. They think everything's in Revelation. Well, there's a lot in Revelation. That's 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, verse 3 through 12, the Antichrist, you're going to fill in your little notes here, will be revealed and worshipped. Revealed and worshipped. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse 1. Now I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit used Paul to write to the Thessalonians a second time because they had received a letter that was forged, signed Paul the Apostle, and really was false, false doctrine. And it just troubled the church. So this is why he says, verse 2 especially, but verse 1, Now we beg you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. I'm ready for that. How about you? that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us. It was a forged letter. He said, don't pay attention to that, as the day of the Lord is present. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come the falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. There's two. There's two names right there for the Antichrist. Now, we'll look at what he's going to do here in a minute. Okay? The falling away first. Some believe that's the great apostasy of the age in which we're living. Some even think that that could be considered as the catching up of the of the church, and I'm not here to, you know, uh, to quibble about all that stuff. Well, what I want you to know is that Paul is telling the Thessalonians that it hasn't happened yet, and first, several things will be happening, and I think we've seen them in our in the day in which we live. 
But we're talking about the reign of the Antichrist now. This is why I think what's happening today in Israel. Now, I had a different message today, but the Lord wouldn't let me go there because I think we need to understand a couple of things about what's happening today. So we're not uh, dumb about it, but it just looks to me, and I sense it so dearly, that this is so different from the 1967 war and the Yom Kippur War of 1973. Fifty years later, this is different. The world is different. Uh, the economies are different. Everything's different. The enemies of Israel are more. In fact, America is one of the, right now, is, is the staunchest ally of Israel. And we better stay that way. Uh, but there's just going to be a search for somebody to solve this thing. David Jeremiah believes that the man of sin will arise out of uh, the European Confederation somewhere. He's got reasons to believe that, and who am I to argue with David Jeremiah? But I don't know where he'll come from. All I know, he's coming. Now, let's look at this again here. The man of sin to be revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 4. Okay, verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And we're going to talk about the restrainer of the day in which we live in a minute. Have you heard of the unholy trinity? We know about the trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God existing in three persons. That's biblical. But Satan's always been a counterfeiter. And so he's going to counterfeit the Trinity. We call it the holy, unholy Trinity. You have Satan, the dragon, Satan himself, posing as God the Father. You have the Antichrist who poses and is indwelt by Satan, but he he poses as, and he takes the place as Jesus Christ, the Son. Then you have the false prophet uh, who uh, the world will, he will convince the world to worship uh, the Antichrist. And he, of course, is a represent, false representation of the Holy Spirit. We call them the unholy trinity. And you can see how this Antichrist exalts himself. Okay, verse 6. Now he's going to tell the believers, he says, now, and now you know what restrains that he might be revealed in his time. What's he mean by that? Well, let's go on. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. And it already started in their time but it has intensified, and I mean really intensified, hasn't it, in these last years especially. But as the church age unfolded, it has intensified. You can see the chaos in the world today, morally and otherwise. 
And now you know what restrains that he might be revealed in his time. So something's holding him back. Verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now hinders will continue to hinder until he be taken out of the way. Now the pronoun he means that's talking about someone. And most people believe, and I'm one of them, that the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church is what is being referred here. And at that moment, when the trumpet blows and the dead in Christ shall rise and we are raptured up to meet the Lord in the air, the Holy Spirit that indwells the church, the restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church will be gone. And it's at that time, and I say this carefully, I mean, don't be offended, but all hell breaks loose. Much worse than it is now. And so it's not that the Holy Spirit won't be active during the tribulation. I don't believe that for a minute because he's omnipresent. But his restraining, you are witnessing in your own age in which you live that people who represent Christ are not the most favored people anymore. And uh, anyway, I think the world would be glad when, and they'll explain it away somehow, and I don't know how. But there is a restraining. That's part of the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is restraining evil through his church. And uh, so when he's taken out of the way, of course, you know what will happen. By the way, do you remember Genesis chapter 6? Just before God told Noah to build an ark. He said, my spirit will not always strive with men. And I think, as in the days of Noah, so also shall be the coming of the Son of Man. There's going to come a time when the restraining, the restrainer will be taken up. Through the church, that is. Verse 8. You still with me or are you thinking about lunch? Here we go. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, what's going to happen? Read Revelation 6 through 16 between verse 8 and verse 7. Okay? So, the Lord will come back and destroy, and it'll be a temporary reign of Antichrist. Let's fill this out. Antichrist makes a covenant with the Jews. And I think the stage is being set. He'll break that covenant and turn against Israel in Daniel 9.27. Uh, tells us about it. And then the consummation of the Antichrist, this is what we're reading about here, uh, the Lord will just, he'll consume him with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's when he sets up his millennial reign. Where are we at these days? <laughs> now, this is an opinion. And I think we're about right here. <laughs> That's where I think we are. That's opinion. 
You know what you do with opinion, don't you? You take it or leave it. But if you're asking me my opinion, I think we're just about to the end of the church age. But the point, the point here is, verse 9, and here's some more description. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. You can see that in Revelation. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? The fact that they refuse to believe the truth. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Is that happening today? <laughs> you better believe it is. You talk about the second coming to, or the tribulation or any of that to 98% uh, of the unsaved world will laugh in your face. You tell them that God spoke and created the universe and all that is therein in six 24-hour days. They'll believe the lie rather than the truth of that statement. So anyway, verse 12. They should believe the lie that they all might be judged who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, did I skip any of these lines? Did you get them filled in? Okay. In 1 John 2.18, it said there are many antichrists, but there's only one here, and the real one, and that is the man of sin. So right in the middle of Thessalonians, we're given quite a little detail on who he is and his coming. Is he alive today? You want opinion? Do I have proof he's alive? You know, if it, when I preach to you these almost three years, it's been strictly from the Bible. I want the word of God. I don't want man's opinion. But <clears throat> since you're here and I'm here and you asked for my opinion, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I believe he is alive today. And I believe this awful thing that's happening in the Middle East. What a difference between the terrorists who went in and did what they did in the most awful way as ISIS did, and then what Israel's planning to do as they warn the civilians to get out of the way. They've already gone past them, give them more time. They named the highway to go down where Israel promised not to shell, rocket, or do anything like that. That'll be a safe corridor. Get out, get out. You see the difference? Now, maybe Israel doesn't do everything perfectly. And maybe they don't recognize the Lord. Not maybe. They don't recognize as a nation their Messiah yet, but that's coming. But what a difference, okay? Now, I say that, and I say all this stuff today <laughs> to bring you to verse 13 of 2 Thessalonians, okay? Paul says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, 
because God hath from the beginning, now you're going to see God's part and man's part. God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. That's God's part and man's part. You say, well, how do you reconcile that? I'm telling you what the scripture says. Now he, some people can see that that's all through his foreknowledge and all that. Well, however you want to slice it, the fact that one has to believe to be saved, okay? And that's man's part. And he reminds you in verse 14, how you believe is unto which he called you by our gospel. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a, died a sacrificial death for your sins. And he, was rosy, he rose again uh, the third day. And whosoever will, let him come and accept Christ as their Savior and be saved. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. Verse 15, Therefore, in the light of what we explained to you about the coming Antichrist and the things that we're seeing in the world, therefore, brethren, do one thing. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our example. Now, lest anybody get discouraged or frightened, there's nothing to be scared about. It's exciting. Look at this, verse 16. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, who has three things, who's loved us and given us everlasting consolation, comfort, and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Stay true, get involved, don't sit on the sidelines, be in prayer, stay close to the word, and you watch what God will do in these last days. And I'm glad that I live to see what I've seen. And I hope that my wife and I get to experience the rapture together. Because <laughs> I think it's getting close. So, I think we'll stop there. Let's pray. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the time in which we live. It is my prayer, Lord, that every person, every young person, middle-aged, older person, will know for sure that they've been redeemed and saved and have accepted Christ into their heart and life and be ready for these things. We know, Lord, there's a lot of death and destruction over there. Innocent people on both sides are just in a war. And... Uh, it hurts to see all of that. And so we don't minimize the human part. And yet, Lord, we see from the Bible that these things are starting to fit and that the consummation of times, of these times, and as the Bible calls it, the times of the Gentiles, all of that is coming close to consummation. Help us to be ready, to be faithful, 
and to look on the fields that are white under harvest and, and share the good news before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen.